It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On this week's episode of Unwritten. Oh, he loaded up. A 3-0 swing. And it's 16-4. Fernando Tatis Jr., a grand slam. And the Padres go on top 14-3. Up by seven in the eighth inning. It's typically not a good time to swing 3-0. Hello, and welcome to Unwritten from Odyssey and MLB. We're going behind baseball's secret rules. My name is Ron Darling. I'm with Jimmy Rollins. And Jimmy, this episode, we're going to talk about running up the score. So I'll give you a scenario. Ninth inning. Phil's are up nine to one. You're already two for three with two home runs. The count is three and oh. Mm-hmm. Do you swing the bat? Wow. Um that wow. Wow. That that's a good one. Dang it. Three oh count. And we're up nine and one and I have two home runs. I say the exception to this rule is the fact that I have two home runs already. And I can go for three. Um, it, it, and, it, and it can be taken, you know, many ways. Let's say I swing 3-0 and I foul it off now and a pitcher has a strike. He's back in the count, so to speak. And I've also given myself one more chance to hit this home run. It could have been a bad pitch, and I'm, you know, and I'm really going for it. Everybody sees that I'm coming out of my shoes. Without the two home runs... Definitely not. Definitely not. One home run does not count. Two home runs, okay, because everybody in the ballpark is hoping, except for the team that's down, that I get an opportunity to hit this third home run. So because of that, and that's a, that's a, that's a, you tried to trick me there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the two home runs, you know, kind of gives gives the okay, not the green light. But the okay that it it's acceptable because you have two home runs. Well, all of these things people think happen in a vacuum when you're talking about uh, running up the score. Dusty Baker, I thought, had a good line. He said, you don't steal if you're up by more runs than you have outs, which is interesting, except, hmm. like I said, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. If you're in Coors Field, a big lead means one thing. If you're in Philadelphia, a big lead means something else. Um, So I think the hard part for us to try to talk about this unwritten rule is that let's maybe we, you and I, can start writing up our own own rules when it comes to how to act in a blowout game. Mm -hmm. My my feeling, my feeling is that the other team that is getting blown out needs to play a little better. You know, like I, I you know, I don't want to ever get to a point where you lose a game that should be in the bag because you stopped playing. And it, it, it has definitely happened where 
you're up big, you know, eight, nine runs, and it's the fifth inning of the ball game. And that is a lot of game left to play. And, you know, you're on cruise control. Maybe your side has, has taken out the starting pitcher. You know, we have a big game coming up next week. Why waste the bullets? You know, it's almost like a, a great bullpen day, but, you know, you're, you're in line for the, for the victory. You're going to save some, some, some pitches and get ready for next week. And then, you know, a single here and a home run. Now that eight-run lead is a six-run lead. You're still comfortable. You need a grand slam. Then you still need another guy to get on and hit another two-run home run. Base hit center field. Mariners lead. 13-12. What a comeback. Sean O'Malley has made this a 13-12 game. This is happening in San Diego. You have got to be shaving me. This is one of the most incredible things I've seen. Now it's, it's not the blowout that it was. And you look at the times where we didn't send that guy home on that single to the left or the right because it was we're up by eight and it's the fifth inning. The guy doesn't get the RBI, but he kind of understands, okay, I get it, we're up. But later in that game, because you stopped, now they're right there in it, a bloop and a blast away, and we talk about that. So I don't think you come off the gas pedal. There are ways to go about it. Um, Vukovic talked about this every spring training. And that is let the ball stop you. You play the ball. If you hit a ball in a gap and it's a blowout game and, you know, it, it, it could be I can push for a triple or I can stop here, you know, at second with this double and it's looked, it's looked as respectable because I didn't want to, you know, keep pressing the issue. If the ball doesn't stop me, I'm going to keep running. And it's one of those things where it, I think a lot of times it depends on your manager how they perceive what's happening, and then maybe fewer times the ballpark that you're playing in. I think one of the hardest things, and probably taught by your managers, Larry Boa and Charlie Manuel and others, is they stress to you, never take an at-bat off. Never take anything for granted when you're on the field. Always try to take the extra base when you're on the bases. And now you're telling these great athletes to all of a sudden shut it down. I think that's one of the hardest things uh, to do in the sport. It definitely is. It takes your aggressiveness away. Uh, You have to play the game with a certain edge. And one thing I can say about those guys is... They didn't mind running up the scores. (laughs) I mean, if you had three hits, go get five hits if you get those opportunities. They didn't mind it as long as it was done respectfully without putting, you know, your teammates in jeopardy of being drilled um, the next day or, you know, in in a series later on that that year when you would face that team again. So there are ways to do it. it. It doesn't mean, you know, stop hustling. It doesn't mean stop playing the game uh, the right way. I think what it's supposed to feel like and look like is the extra effort, you know, the, the, the Charlie Hustle style of baseball, until the game gets back to a point where everyone in this, in this unwritten rule um, of not running up the uh, score 
can agree that it's okay to turn it back on. But how, as a team that has been told to come off the gas a little bit, how do you turn it back on? Because a team that's been chasing, they're sprinting. They're sprinting to the finish line, and you're trying to find a way to cruise and you know not make it look disrespectful. And before you know it, even if you win, you win by one or two. Lesson learned. Interesting you talk about respect and disrespect. In some ways, what you're saying, it's almost disrespectful to stop playing your opponent hard or play the way you're supposed to play. As an opponent, isn't that what you want? You want the best from the other side? I would never, and I don't think anyone in in any sport, doesn't matter what sport, never expect your opponent to not be at their best. If you get there and they fall flat on their face, then so be it. And if I'm on the other side, I never liked when teams came off the gas because it's it's almost like, well, you guys don't deserve to be here or you're, you're not on our level. And yes, it is a level of disrespect. Look, if you score 20, then I'm looking at the pitcher. I'm looking at us like, well, it's our fault. We could have made that play. We could have had a better pitch performance. We could have scored. But why didn't we score 21? How about that? Instead yeah. of worrying about them scoring 20, why didn't we score 21? And that's how I always looked at it. They shouldn't have to come off the gas. And not even you know to your opponent, to the game itself, to whatever sport it is, whatever it is you're doing, not giving your all at every given time. You're always told you know to give 100, sprint out the box, and as you said, now, you know what, maybe that's a little bit too much because we don't make the, the people on the other side mad. No, 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 no. Play the game the right way. Maybe the extra effort, okay, you may come down off of that, you'll understand. But even still, if a guy legs out a triple, I'm like, he wanted that triple. Regardless of the score, he legged out that triple. He earned that. He went and got it. I'm not mad at you. Maybe somebody else is yelling at you, but I get it because I, I do the same thing. I remember playing a game in 1985. We had this uh, pitcher who was going to start the game. He was a kind of a spot starter. And we used to call him Tom Gorfax. His name was Tom Gorman. But he talked a good game. So we made him into Gorfax, <laughs> like Kofax instead of Gorman. And the entire pregame, he taped his bat the entire time because he said when he was at Gonzaga, he was an unbelievable first baseman who could hit. And here he's going to start this game in Philadelphia. He's going to show us how he could hit. Well, needless to say, he gave up six runs and didn't get through the first inning. The next pitcher came in and gave up 10 runs. The next pitcher came in and gave up 10 runs. And we lost to the Phillies that night, 26-9. to The Phillies ended with a flourish on a double play ball and a record to a conclusion. That's the ninth. No runs, no hits. And nobody left on base. The Phillies have scored more runs than any time in their history. I'll never forget it wow. because Vaughn Hayes led off the game with a home run and hit twice in the first inning and hit a grand slam in his second at bat. So wow. he was two for two with two home runs, a solo job to lead off the game, and then a grand slam. And it was just one of the most amazing games ever. But the, the Phillies certainly didn't uh, take their foot off the gas that night. We sum this one up. Maybe we could say the Phillies saved the best for first. They got a nine-run start tonight in the first inning when Hayes hit two home runs, including a grand slam, and they just kept on building, setting an all-time team record with 26 runs, 27 hits, and they just kept right on going. A tremendous, tremendous game for the Phillies, and we'll be thinking about this one and totaling it up for quite a while.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I got a scenario for you, okay? Yep. So this is the Padres against the Rangers. I'm going to read through all this because it's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. This involves Fernando Tatis, who I think you and I can agree with. When he's on the field, is one of the top five players in the game. He's electric. I mean, what what would you do, Jimmy Rollins, if you were Jimmy Rollins in a Fernando Tatis body? you gonna call me zeus with a bat in my hand (laughs) i mean jesus christ i know i've always said this is funny you brought that up i'm like man i'm five seven yeah i'm like let me be six three two fifteen two twenty and the leverage and just the way i think you know about the game my mentality my mental approach to the game the aggressiveness that i love to play with but also the style let me be that size man that's what i would be i would be tatis jr Straight up. Straight on GQ. No problem. Straight up. Okay, so here's the the situation. So the Padres are up seven runs in the eighth inning. Bases are loaded. Tatis has a 3-0 count. He hits Grand Slam. This is in the air to right field. Back it goes. Nando has done it again. Fernando Tatis Jr. A Grand Slam. Tatis has fun with his smile as he goes around the base like he always does. And the Padres go on top 14-3. Two home runs, seven RBIs for Fernando Tatis Jr. Unbelievable. The Rangers manager gives him a bit of a scowl, and his own manager, the Padres manager, doesn't really high-five him when he gets back to the dugout. That's That, that, that hurts mm-hmm. as a player, right? Yep. So the Rangers bring in a new pitcher, and he immediately throws behind the next batter. I never got that. You're going to hit someone you don't like, hit the batter. Not right. the next batter. Next batter hasn't done anything. He's, he's just been minding his own business, waving at like a cutie in the second row. <laughs> and later in the inning, one of Tatis' teammates look over to the Rangers dugout, and he could see him say, we'll talk to him, we'll talk to him, like we're going to make sure he knows about this unwritten rule. Then the cameras catch that teammate going up to Tatis in the dugout, talking to him, clearly saying, we don't do that kind of stuff. And Tatis, who loves to smile, is just sort of defeated. He's stone-faced. After the game, the Rangers manager says he doesn't like it, but this was an unwritten rule that got challenged. There's a lot of unwritten rules that are, you know, constantly being challenged, I think, in, in today's game. So, um, yeah, I didn't like it personally. Um, you know, when you're up by seven in the eighth inning, it's typically not a good time to swing 3-0. And even the Padres manager didn't have his back and said that he shouldn't have swung in that situation. It was a learning situation or a learning opportunity. You know, we, we had a, a little bit of a comfortable lead and, you know, we're, we're not trying to, um, you know, run up the score or anything like that. And so, uh, you know, put on the, the, the take sign and, and um, you know, probably, probably see a strike right there. Then Tatis himself has to basically apologize for it. Since he's been playing for a long time, he didn't know about this rule, that they had to explain it to him, that if you're up by six or seven, you don't swing. Uh, I know a lot of unwritten rules, and uh, but you know this time I didn't. I was I was kind of lost on this one. I was you know they told me after five, seven, after six, or something like that. 
And, uh, you know, from those experiences, you got to learn from it. Uh, probably next time I'll take a pitch. He seemed confused, but he still apologized. Do you think he should have? No, um, I, I don't think he should have, um, especially if it wasn't from his heart. Now, if yeah. he was really sincere and, and doing so because this unwritten rule offended, um, you know, his manager, the other team, the other pitcher, then, okay, that, that's a decision, you know, that he felt he needed to make. But why apologize for your success? Yeah. It is not my job to let you get me out. Your job is to get me out. I beat you at the job. And yes, it does sting to have your own manager uh, not high five you. And even if your manager disagrees publicly, I don't think there should be a spectacle made of it. Like give you yeah. a high five or normal. He doesn't have to celebrate. You know, you're gonna, they're going to do their slam Diego dance and the big old chains and all that stuff. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the manager has, doesn't have to partake in that. He give you high five and look the other way. So when the camera's there, your manager has your back. When you close the door, if the manager wants to say something, that's different. But on the flip side of that, which, which is there's always two sides. What, what, what I love is what happened after that moment. They had a month where they hit like it seemed every game they were hitting a grand slam. That's right. Oh, this to right field. Reddick going back at the wall. This is Grand Slam Diego. Another grand slam. The grand slams just keep coming on. It's 11-1 Padres. It was the birth of Slam Diego. That's, <laughs> that's what I that's what I know. That's right. And, that's right. and and look, as a hitter, it is not my fault the pitcher threw three balls. I worked to be in this situation. Like I always said, if you don't want that guy doing that, don't put yourself in that position as a pitcher. If you don't want him swinging 3-0, don't get the 3-0. And if he does that, I think it was two outs. He swings at that pitch. He pops it up. Everybody's saying that's what he get for swinging at a 3-0 pitch when he should have been taken. Texas runs off the field. No damage done. They might be upset, but it's like that. It was, it was almost like that's what he get. The out is what he get. But because he hits his ball to right center, they want to get upset. And if you're on the other side, if you're on San Diego side, look at what happened the next month. They hit five or six grand slams, starting with that one. So... One side is saying it's a bad thing. If you're the Padres, how many games did you did, did, did that feed you for? Slam Diego was born, and you know everybody wants to get on one side or the other. Enjoy the game. It was yeah. a moment. It was beautiful. I think we should allow our best players uh, to be their best. Uh, when you are getting uh, your ASS handed to you, I was always told this, you just got to get better. You better be better, because if you're not, you're going to be embarrassed. I also think that was the tipping point for not only being able to swing late in the game at a 3-0 pitch, but what has happened in the game now? The 3-0 pitch has become the 2-0 pitch. I mean, everyone is swinging at that pitch because of the added velocity, because of the nastiness of the pitchers, it might be the best pitch you get at the night is to swing 3-0, and so why not? And this, that's how the game has changed. Um, there's no give from the mound. I mean, guys are getting 2-0 and 3-0 sliders. And why? Because the pitcher is now aware, 
I just can't throw and lay a fastball over the middle to try to work myself back into this count. These guys have the green light, and when it's the best guys on the team, the best hitter on the, play, uh, on, on the team, the most powerful hitter on the team, you better believe that that guy from the dugout gave him a big wink, like, go get him, big boy. So the game has changed. Uh, the philosophy of the game has changed. They you know, want you to work the pitchers and try to get the pitch count up. That is kind of going away because they have specialists. Pitchers only are going five innings on a good night. You have the exceptions. You have the, you know, the, the A-listers that they're going to get as many pitches as they need to, especially when you're playing a big, a big rivalry game. Uh, they want to you know, establish that dominance. But other than that, these guys are going five innings, five and dive, and why should I give in? I'm, I'm throwing everything at, at the kitchen sink at you, and the hitter knows that. The hitter knows that, so it has changed. Charlie, I loved him. Uh, I was a leadoff hitter, and he would give me, you know, 3-0 green lights. Out toward left field. That's pretty well hit. Going back on it is Ludwig. It is gone! Leadoff home run number 46 for Jimmy Rollins. And he's just giving the Phils their first run of the day. It's a 2-1 ball game. And when he would not step out the box and look at him like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I'm locked right now. Even if I wasn't locked, maybe this is my <laughs> one chance to get locked. That's right. Um, but it, it, it's, it's definitely something that you, you see a lot more in the game because a, a 3-0 pitch, as you said, is it's like a, a 2-0 pitch. There's really no difference. I love it. I'm all for it. You know, it's amazing. In these games, especially the team that's getting blown out, they're trying to save their pitching. Um, but – in a game, there used to be, when you first started playing, Jimmy, every team had a long man, a guy right. that could come in and <laughs> suck up outs and, uh, you know, pitch two and third, three and two thirds or whatever. Uh, the game is so specialized, you don't have that as much. But, you know, teams are trying to save their arms, and that's why I think you're seeing a lot of infielders, a lot of catchers pitching at the end of games because they're trying to somehow not waste those bullets and have them for tomorrow. We thought this might happen when we were in spring training and talking about the versatility of Hernan Perez. I want to say I remember him being good. We'll see right here. One inning can make a difference for your bullpen tomorrow if it's a, a position player does this. And you're on the stretch there. Swing and a miss. Two down. What do you think about um, everyday players getting a chance to pitch late in the game? Hate it. Absolutely <laughs> hate it. We'll see if uh, Philip Evans can issue the first one, two, three inning today. Call him the Swiss Army Knife, playing third base, outfield, now pitching. Wow. Would I have done it? I, I mean, I considered it. I mean, there are a couple times that we've had to finish out games that way. And, you know, going all the way back to the infamous, you know, Canseco incident where he came to do it. Well, you hear the ovation for Jose Canseco making his major league debut on the mound. Notice in the bullpen that he was throwing a couple of knuckleballs. There you see the three-quarter fastball from Canseco. This should be very interesting. And, you know, I remember, remember growing up and just knowing this man had an absolute cannon and it was like, yeah, I was excited to see him pitch. Like, what does it look like off the mound if that's what it looks like coming out of the, uh, out of the outfield? That didn't work out too well. Um, but as, as, as a position player, if I was honestly asked, I probably would have said no. One, when I went up to the mound, used to go talk to the pitcher or have the pitcher meetings and I look at home plate, 
That was way too damn close, Ron. <laughs> I, that, was, that was way too close to a hitter. I mean, you're looking at Miguel Cabrera, for example, standing 6'4", and I'm 5'7". I'm like, there's no way in the world I'll be throwing this ball to this man at this distance. I mean, if, if, it's, if, if you're called upon to do it, I'm not sure you actually have the right to say no. Most of the time they go around and ask, hey, what do you think? And guys are excited because who doesn't want to pitch at least one in in the big leagues, right? Um, you know, we, we had a fun incident between Anthony Rizzo and Freddie Freeman. And they got to laugh about it. That's right. And, 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 and that was the lighter side of things. But um, all in all, it's, it, it doesn't feel like big league baseball. I get it to save the bullets, but it just doesn't feel like a professional game at that point. Yeah, and I felt like last year, I don't know if you remember this game, your mean Mercedes, who got off to such a quick start with the Chicago White Sox. So he's up late in the game in a blowout. So 3 0 count. He's facing an everyday player. Uh, I think it was a catcher who threw a 47 mile an hour pitch. And on a 3 0 pitch, he hit a home run. Last time Ostadio threw, two baseballs he threw registered pitch too slow for StatCast. And I think we're having one of those nights again. <laughs> Oh, he loaded up. Mercedes tattoos it to center. It is gone. There you go. A 3-0 swing. And it's 16-4. Well, Mercedes owes half his salary in kangaroo court for swinging 3-0 on Astadio. But he'll get over it. Swinging 3-0 and it's 15-4. But then again, I mean, you don't really need to take a walk, I don't think. So not only... Did he hit the home run? But his manager, his own manager, Tony La Russa, was mad at him for doing that. Literally, this kid who had one of the best starts you could have was no longer to be seen out of the big leagues. And that seemed to be, you know, his ticket out of the game for doing something that the other team made it kind of into a joke. So he made it into a joke. I had no problem with that. Definitely. I, I thought, you know, at that point, all the rules are out the window. I mean, yeah. they basically said this is no longer a game that qualifies as a big league game as far as the unwritten rules are concerned because here's a position player. And if he, you know, takes a pitch and he throws strike one and he turns around and walks him, I mean, that's just another batter that this position player now has to face with the runner on out the stretch a whole different dynamic. But if you're up there and you're the hitter, I don't want this position player to get me out. I have enough time, hard enough time hitting off the pitchers that are designed to get me out. So here's this is free lunch. That's he right. He gave me free lunch. I took advantage. I took a bite. I got the cookie. And everybody's laughing. No one no one says anything about it. His other team's like, dude, you gave up a bomb to your mean. And that's how it's supposed to be. You go on and you get ready for the next day for a big league ball game. I, I got to have my knock as well. Hey, here's here's something controversial, <laughs> okay? So, end of seven innings, one team is up by 10 runs. Mercy rule? No. Okay. Nah, not because we've seen it happen. 10 runs can be stuck, and next thing you know, the next three innings, this team scores 15, and how did it happen? So, no. 
I like that because I think it almost is an advantage to the team that's getting beat because it says, you know what, tonight you guys were bad and you're going to be rewarded by, by not having to play the last six <laughs> innings or last three, two innings, getting six more out. So I think that's good. So, you know, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, unwritten rules and they don't come out of thin air. They come from somewhere. And, you know, before the Cincinnati Reds played their first night game, the games were during the day. And at some point, nighttime comes. Uh, in the middle of the summer, maybe 8 o'clock in some places, sometimes 9 o'clock when you're in Pittsburgh. But at some point in big blowouts, they just needed to get the game done uh, so they wouldn't have to continue it the next day. Um, that's probably where all this stuff started, to kind of take, to half-step it uh, through some ball games. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you, <laughs> you want to finish the game. There's no need for a carryover, and what do, you, what do you do if you start the next day? You play one or two winners. There's no need for that. So I 100% understand why during that time, before the lights came out, why you stop running, because you there's no need to extend the game. The, the game's in a book. Let's just go ahead and finish this game out. But with the invention or introduction to night baseball, yeah. We can make an adjustment there. Hey, hey, we don't have to worry about the the darkness. We have the lights. <laughs> you know, there, there's some things you can do, though, right? Uh, like if you're in the game, you hit a two hopper to shortstop. You can give it the the three quarter run. You don't have to give it the big run. It's like I, I, I this is going to be an over. Even if I get on, it's going to be an error. I don't mind giving the three quarter down there and to get this game over with. But the same thing if you got a base hit. Uh, just let the ball tell you when to stop. You know, Ron, I uh, faced a lot of criticism about the three-quarter. Uh, and, uh, you know, they weren't, I, I, I they was weren't always, playing I was, every day. <laughs> I was I was always uh, down with the speed-up rule in that regard. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, definitely, look, especially when you're and, – and it's tough because it goes both ways. I've been on a side where, you know, we're we're being blown out and the guy hits, you know, what is a routine ground ball to either me or the second baseman or third baseman, and he's coming out busting, busting down the line, just the same as he would in a 0-0 ball game. You can't be mad at that guy for doing that. Yeah, He's playing the game the right way. You're taught to hit the ball, put your bat down, give it a hard 90. He's playing the game the right way. You took your mind off. You took your, 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 the gas off the pedal. And just and just hoped or assumed that this kid, this guy was not going to be playing hard. And now that out becomes an infield hit and you can't be mad at him for something that you did. So, I mean, th- there are ways and look, I'm OK with the three quarter run. Trust me, I'm plenty OK with that. But the guy <laughs> that that <laughs> that doesn't and he's going, you know, 90, 95 percent, you can't be mad at him. Yeah, because he, he, he earned your respect and you'll never forget that the rest of your career. That is correct. So, you know, one of the things that has always been around, and it's always judged in different ways, right? Um, it used to be in the 80s, if, if you stole bases, that meant dollars in your pocket, right? There he goes. The pitch, a strike, the throw, and a bounce too late. And that is number 100. 100 stolen bases for Vince Coleman. 
a remarkable weapon. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, there's a lot of analytics stats um, in a lot of different ways that means money in your pocket. So for a player like you, Jimmy, that you are a renaissance man. I do a lot of everything. I can hit the ball in the ballpark. I can steal a base. I'm going to take the extra base. I can play great defense. All of those things that at some point, if you let off the gas and don't do what you do, um, that's affecting your pocketbook at some time some point it definitely is and you know you, you can study what's most important what they value the most and try to tailor your game to that as much as possible um i try to do a little bit of everything i didn't want to be pigeonholed into doing one thing but in today's game you're seeing less and less of that guys are understanding what gets paid, how they get paid, what they value. And they're missing a lot of the, I hate to say and use the term, um, you know, just the smaller things, the finer points of the game that can help you become a better player, a better student of the game, a better teammate, because no one pays for that. That The intangibles that we talk about that we know exist in the clubhouse, how, how do you quantify that? How do you do that? And because there's no way to do it, why should the focus be there until at least, at least until you get that big payday? Once you get that payday, now you can start doing those things because you're taking care of your fine. But the kid or the player that's still looking for that payday, you almost have to be selfish in a sense. You almost have to, you know, play out everything and and, and do something that may be you know, unconventional, unconventional look, look down upon because you understand what's at stake. The guys that have their money, they might be barking at you. Da, da, da. Yeah, you have your money. I don't. I have to still <laughs> do these things because at the end of the day, me not doing it means I'm not getting paid. Well, you didn't do this. Well, you guys told me to come off the gas. I wasn't allowed to do that because we were such a good team. And I was in a situation where it was 50-50. I could get in trouble or I can be rewarded. And at the end of the day, we all want to go home with enough money, um, you know, to live the, left for the rest of our lives in a, in a fashion that we like. Hopefully win a championship um, a- along the way. But if not, how do I maximize or optimize my time in this uniform? Because when it's done, when they take the uniform off, you're not getting those. You're not getting that hundred million dollar contract anymore. Trust me, it doesn't happen. So you have to, in, in a sense, you know, be selfish. Um, in, in, in that way, but that's the way they pay us. That's the way they analyze our performance. And if you're smart, you know, shoot, you'd be remiss if you didn't go out and attempt to do it that way. Well, what I love about these programs is that we learn something every day. And from the great John Vukovic, who I had a lot of respect for, uh, play to the speed of the ball. So when a team is running up the score or is in a blowout, Just the ball will tell you how to play. This is a great unwritten with Jimmy Rollins. I'm Ron Darling. This is Odyssey MLB. We'll talk to you soon. Unwritten is a production of Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen of Odyssey with Ian Kay of Major League Baseball. Lena Glazer is the executive producer of 2400 Sports at Odyssey. Jody Avergan and Nick Trotta of MLB are executive producers. Special thanks to everyone at Major League Baseball and Odyssey who helped make this show happen. 
If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review in your podcaster player of choice, or just tell someone about the show. For Jimmy Rollins, I'm Ron Darling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with more on baseball's unwritten rules.